Hey everybody, this is Greg Penix, and you're listening to the 38th issue of Fantasy Comic Book Editor League. Last we left off uh, a few days ago, the 37th issue, we finally finished 60 years of the amazing comics group. We told you every title, every artist switcheroo, everything. And of course, there's some screw-ups I'm going to have to correct today. But um, we'll get to that later. Um, basically, uh, is before I move on from the Amazing Comics group, because I'm not going to go past 2000 for a long time, um, that might be the end of it, of my chronicling of its history, of its fake history. As you know, that's what we've been doing. So, um, but I did want to go back in and uh, fill in some holes that I never really talked about. Kind of, I left things vague over the years, just didn't want to, like, think about them all that much but um so i wanted to start with uh i mentioned how in 1930 uh this publishing concern that ended up uh publishing amazing comics group starting in 1940 the they started they had some magazines in the 30s uh they had uh american eagle which was a political magazine and they had uh the comic for teens which I, I think I was going to call Shindig or something like that. But I was thinking another another magazine which could have had huge nat- national circulation because this was a thing back then, uh, the humor magazines uh, like Judge and Puck. And um, some of the best writers and artists of the day worked for them. Um, a lot of the early uh, comic strip artists did some of their greatest work for them. So I figured that would be perfect. So all throughout the 30s, we could be publishing some of these great cartoonists. And um, I think the magazine will be named Harold. And uh, that'll be our third magazine, which uh, gives us the capital 10 years later in 1940 to start the Amazing Comics Group and to set up the infrastructure of the publishing and all that stuff. Okay, so I'm going to have to do some retreading here because I made a bunch of changes uh, in 1940 uh, our flagship title we started publishing uh, Amazing Tales and Amazing Tales is basically our classics illustrated but uh, make it jazzy it up so the stories continue there's various uh, serialized stories per issue uh, 64 pages and um every issue so just to recap because i don't even know what i've changed so i'm pretty sure most of it's there's a lot of differences so uh amazing tales number one 1940 uh it uh included hercules by reed crandall robin hood by mac raboy scarlet pimpernel by lou fine Mowgli from the jungle book by mac raboy as well and greek myths Various. And um, as I've said many times, these are not only going to adapt all the existing myths, tales, or text of these characters, because some are from literature, some are from mythology and legend, but they're going to go beyond. They're going to tell you stories before, you know, the novel, after, prequel, sequel. Just basically take the character and uh, 
make it live on past the confines of its original source material. And we're going to do it with respect. We're not just going to go crazy. Uh, but, you know, I'm sure a lot of these great characters in literature and myth, people wanted more tales of them. You know, people wanted more stories of the Scarlet Pimpernel fighting injustice in France. So that's the original lineup of Amazing Tales. And um, every year there's an Amazing Tales annual, uh, which is like one standalone adaptation of a novel or, you know, play. But I haven't changed any of those, and I've already told you them. So I'm not going to get into the Amazing Tales annuals, which come out every summer. So the next change in 1945. Uh, it's still Hercules by Crandall, Robin Hood by Raboy. But now Scarlet Pimpernel will be taken over by Everett Raymond Kinsler. And he was one of the greatest artists of the Golden Age. Uh, did lots of westerns and romance. And... um he went on in the kind of retired from comics in the early 50s and became like America's most popular portrait artist. The kind of guy who like did the portraits of presidents and kings and you know if you were a billionaire dude he was the most sought after guy to paint your portrait to give you some prestige. But back in the late 40s he was just drawing comic books beautifully though. Really amazing. Um, it's no wonder he got out of the comic book racket. Uh, he was too talented for it. And um, so Scarlet Pimpernel is going to be taken over by him because Lou Fiennes running away to the world of advertising and pretty much left comics around 1945 for the most part. And, uh, of course, after that, Mowgli by Raboy is still going and Greek Mess by various... Okay, 1946, there's another little switcheroo because Mac Raboy is leaving comics to take over Flash Gordon, the comic strip, in the papers. So his two titles, uh, his two features, are going to both be taken over by Matt Baker. And uh, Robin Hood and Mowgli will be taken over by Matt Baker, great artist, um, maybe up there with Mac Raboy. Uh, really good. So uh, I've talked about him before, though. So I'm just want I'm reiterating this stuff because I can't remember what I've changed. Uh, 1949. Uh, pretty much. Well, it's changed a bunch. Hercules is still by Crandall, though I have a feeling that year there'll be lots of uh, fill-ins by Frank Frazetta, because Frank Frazetta has come on the scene, and most of the Greek myths. Instead of just being various, a lot of them are going to be presented this year. We're going to cram him in as much as we can. But the major features that are switching are Robin Hood. Will no longer be by Matt Baker. He's going to, we're going to take him off that so we can put Joe Manili on. And then Joe Manili is also going to take over Scarlet Pimpernel. Uh, Kinsler is going to go. Pretty soon he becomes Fancy Pants portrait artist. He's almost out, out of comics anyway. But of course he will still be writing short stories for Amazing Weekly. And drawing short stories, I mean. Um, some nice western comics for us. Whatever he can squeeze in the time. And uh, then we have, in 1950, that's when we have a lot of switches. A lot of things change around. So, uh, 
Beowulf by Frank Frazetta. Robin Hood continues under the penmanship of Joe Manili. Mowgli continues under Matt Baker's fine pen. But we have a new feature, Seahawk by Reed Crandall. And then the fifth feature, pretty much every issue, we're just going to do short stories. Uh, there's lots of great short stories out there and um, in literature. And we'll adapt them, especially when we have great guys like Bernard Krigstein at our beck and call and guys like Reed Crandall. And uh, they'll be able to uh, beautifully delineate the classics of uh, short story literature. Next year, 1951, uh, pretty much everything stays the same except for two features change. We're getting rid of Mowgli and we're starting D'Artagnan from The Three Musketeers and many other novels. And that's going to be adapted by Bernard Krigstein. And um, we're going to stop doing some short stories for a while, unless uh, every now and then one of the features might need a break. We'll throw in a short story. But the fifth slot is going to be Divine Comedy by Basil Wolverton. And... uh, yeah, this is a 64-page comic. Every feature is about 12 pages. 1954, some other switcheroos. Uh, the big crossover. I've talked about it before, so I'm not going to get into it. But Beowulf's Inferno. Frank Frazetta. Um, Robin Hood continues under Benili. Seahawk under Crandall. And D'Artagnan under Krigstein. But now we have a new feature. Since uh, Bay- the Divine Comedy's over. And that's Natty Bumpo by Russ Heath. 1957, uh, Beowulf is gone. He has his own title now in the Amazing Comics universe. So Danny Bumpo is going to go to the top slot and that's going to be taken over by Frank Thorne because Russ Heath is leaving to draw that Beowulf comic. So Danny Bumpo will now be drawn by Frank Thorne. Seahawk will continue by Reed Crandall, D'Artagnan by Bernard Krigstein. But we have a new feature, Canterbury Tales by Bill Elder. And then the fifth slot will just be short stories. Every issue will be different. I have a feeling a lot of them will be Bernard Krigstein, though. And um, just want to get a lot of work out of that guy while he's still in comics. 1958, new feature again, Captain Nemo, also drawn by Reed Crandall. Uh, Natty Bumpo will continue by Frank Thorne. Seahawk is gone, but we're going to replace it with another pirate comic, uh, another classic book, Captain Blood. And uh, Reed Crandall will continue drawing the pirate adventures from Seahawk to Captain Blood. And then Canterbury Tales by Elder and Short Stories, various. Okay, 1960. um, Let me see. It looks like pretty much everything continues the same. Except for the Canterbury Tales are done for now. Bill Elder has told all the Canterbury Tales in three years. So we have a new feature, Alan Quartermain, from all those adventure novels in the 19th century. And here's a stretch, but I was looking up this guy, Hugo Pratt, the famous creator of Corto Maltese, uh, the Italian slash Argentinian cartoonist. He's lived all over, actually, this guy. 
but just like one of the great cartoonists of all time, international cartoonists. Many people look up to him. And I was looking in 1960, he was kind of hacking the shit out for British comic companies all the time, getting really bad pay. So I was like, hey, we we could get him. We pay great at Amazing uh, Comics Group, and we've got uh, uh, we can see for miles and miles. So we've been looking around the world trying to scoop up all these artists that are great. So there's no reason why we wouldn't have Hugo Pratt come work for us for a few years before he becomes hot shit Hugo Pratt, you know, because a few years later he's going to create Quarter Maltese and become an international star. So that's good. I'm really excited about that just to get Hugo Pratt on a normal, you know, American comic book because that guy... Such a great style, um, you know, very like from that Milton Cadiff school, uh, but definitely makes it his own. Uh, you can tell Hugo Pratt from a mile away, very almost abstracted, uh, even though it's realism. But he just, he, I guess, he also comes from that Alex Toth school of like, you don't have to use a lot of lines. Um, the less lines you use, the better sometimes to expressively draw something. So that's going to be great. And those are going to continue for a while. Because there's like, I looked it up, there's like 21 fucking Alan Quarter main books or more. We're going to try to adapt every single one. And maybe even tell you tales in between. Okay, 1961. Uh, we have a one change. And that change is... This is like a puzzle. I'm trying to figure this out. Oh yeah, Natty Bumpo is going away. We've told enough tales of Danny Bumpo. And taking over his place will be Norse Myths by Jack Kirby. And um, this will be like the Tales of Asgard feature that Thor used to have. Because that year, in Amazing Comics, Thor appears by Jack Kirby. So in Amazing Tales, Jack Kirby will be uh, getting his uh, nuts waxed. By just getting to go crazy, telling all these crazy stories, making up costume designs for all these gods. And that's going to go on for a while. Um, two years later, 1963, uh, we have some new switcheroos. Because that pretty much continues. Uh, all the titles are still the same artist. Until 63, um, we're going to have... Who's leaving us? Why is this so confusing? God damn it. Oh, yes. No one's really leaving because the, we're just going to stop having the short stories for a while. The various short stories. Because we have five features we want to have now. So, Captain Nemo by Crandall, continuing. Captain Blood by Crandall, continuing. And Alan Quartermain, though, will now be taken over by Alfredo Alcala. Because around this time, I figure... Hugo Pratt's like international stars, you know, doing his Corto Maltese, so uh, it might be unrealistic that he'd draw this, you know, random American comic. So, Alan, Alfredo Alcala, we've talked about him before, very illustrative artist, can draw anything, so whatever Alan Quartermain throws his way, Alcala should be able to deal with it. And Norse Miss by Kirby are, is continuing as well. But we have a new feature, Rober. And that is uh, basically uh, Captain Nebo's alter, not alter ego, I meant to say uh, his, uh, his nemesis in a way. Because Captain Nebo rules the oceans. 
and Robur the Conqueror rules the skies. And of course they'll be meeting and having uh, interactions outside of the books that they were in. We're going to adapt all the books like Master of the World and Mysterious Island, but then we'll tell you stuff about his, you know, how he became Robur after the books, and of course, conflicts with Captain Nemo, because those two were meant to go head to head. Okay, for a few years, everything stays the same. And then in, uh, oh, did I mention that Wilbur is going to be drawn by Alfredo Alcala as well? So that's going to be uh, also drawn by him. Okay, 1966, uh, almost everything's the same, except for we're getting rid of Captain Blood. And we're bringing on as a new feature, Dracula. And we're getting the Spanish artist, Vincente Alcazar. A great artist, really beautiful style. I did a lot of stuff for Warren Comics in the late 60s, early 70s, uh, even throughout the 70s. I think he even did some, some stuff for Marvel, black and white magazines too. He was uh, just really good. Uh, he, he's a very sensual artist, uh, so I think it'd be perfect for Dracula. Always drawing really beautiful women and... Um, yeah, he'd be really good to adapt Dracula. And these tales, these Dracula tales, that are going to be leading all the way up to the novel. They're basically going to be about Vlad the Impaler, how he becomes Dracula, how he gets to that point. His whole youth, you know, uh, as basically a warlord. And then, um, you know, we'll see him become a vampire because by the novel, by the time of the novel Dracula, he's been a, He's been Dracula, the vampire, for quite a while, so there's probably lots of tales to tell about Dracula before that first novel ever comes out. Okay, so another two years, everything's going to stay the same. But then, 1968, Captain Nemo's leaving us, and we're going to have Sinbad take over, and we're going to have Sinbad the Sailor, all his adventures... And we're going to get Rudy Nebras to draw it. Uh, beautiful Filipino artist. Uh, I've talked about him before. A very almost voluptuous style. Very sensual, his shit. And uh, it's, it's luscious. So Sinbad, basically a superhero. There's lots of fun, adventurous tales we can tell about him. Um, also that year, uh, we're getting rid of Rober the Conqueror. And who's going to take his place? El Cid, the great Spanish hero, by the great Spanish cartoonist Esteban Maroto. So he's going to take over El Cid. And um, Maroto's so good. I think I've talked about him before. Another one of the Spanish artists, if you want to see his work, he was all over 70s Warren comics. Uh, just amazing. Uh, internationally acclaimed. Um, great artist, especially for fantasy or adventure, but more fantasy. I wish El Cid was more fantastical, but he'll do a great job drawing El Cid. Yeah, so those are the only two changes. Um, 1970, two years later, we got a few more changes. Uh, actually, the only change uh, is that Alan Quartermain will be taken over by Alex Toth. And uh, that's going to be nice. Uh, Alex Toth, we've talked about before, the cartoonist, cartoonist, the artist, artist. 
And Norris Smiths is leaving. Because in 1970, Jack Kirby's done with Thor. And he's starting his uh, New Gods in uh, his own title. So he's done with Norris Smiths as well. So what's going to take over that feature slot? The Bible. Now we're going to go to Christian Myths. And it's the Bible by Nestor Redondo, uh, one of the grandpappies of Filipino comic art, up there with Alfredo Alcala. Uh, really nice artist. Um, nothing too flashy, but just um, really well illustrative art. I figure the Bible's not that exciting. Redondo should be fine for it. And um, pretty much, these are going to go on for like 10 years. Just the Old Testament, because that's the, like, the good stories, you know. Once you get to the New Testament, it's just, you know, preaching, Jesus walking around preaching stuff. And that'll just read like a Jack T. Chick comic or a religious tract. So just the Old Testament, they've got some fun stories, weird stories, basically. And uh, that should be interesting, to say the least. Okay, so two more, two more years of stasis. Everything, those guys are going to be chugging along for... To 1972, we're going to have some changes. Sinbad will be taken over by Mike Kaluta. Uh, Mike Kaluta, the amazing fantasy artist. Uh, well, comic artist, but always just do beautiful fantasy. Uh, perfect for Sinbad. Um, with that whole Arabian, you know, flair to it. Because uh, Kaluta was very uh, inspired by, like, um, Art Nouveau and... Just that the 30s style of architecture and art and design. So he had this kind of like, uh, I guess back then they called it Orientalist, you know. His art was skewed that way, the line. So he's going to be taking over Sinbad because Rudy Nibbers is now working as a monthly for uh, in, the, in the Amazing Comics universe. So he's not going to have that much time to do a whole comic and then a 12-pager. So Mike Kaluta was going to do a Sinbad for just a year. Just a little fill-in. Mike Kaluta never stuck around that long in, a, in any comic. And um, just so you know, by the way, this summer, uh, 72, that's our Dracula adaptation. So the Dracula series will be leading right up to it. And um, it'll continue afterwards. Uh... And there'll be tales of what happened after the book. Because, you know, Dracula's always coming back to life. There was somebody, some idiot always pulls the stake out of his chest. And uh, that's probably going to happen over and over again throughout the 1800s and 1900s. And we will tell you some of those stories. Okay, uh, 1973. Now Sinbad is going to get another switch because Kaluta's going to take over a monthly title in the normal universe. So it's uh, Esteban Moroto who's going to take over Sinbad. Uh, that'll be beautiful. He can draw all the genies and the monsters and everything. Um, and then Dracula's going to have a little switch. Uh, Vincente Alcazar is going to leave and Ralph Reese is taking over. And... Um, Ralph Reese, I've talked about a few times. He's a this really underrated artist from the seventies. Never got to do much, but everything he did was just impeccably great. Really good stuff. Okay, so then um, 
everything else continues the same. And, uh, yeah. You know, I just realized something. I'm doing a switch right now. Maroto is already drawing El Cid. So I'm just going to have Alcazar switch from Dracula over to Sinbad. Because he could draw great fantasy. And um, why should we lose him, right? So he's because uh, Sinbad's going away in two years anyway. So for those last two years of Sinbad, we're going to have Alcazar draw it. And Dracula will be drawn by Ralph Reese. Okay, two years later. New changes. New, uh, a new feature, Gilgamesh. Uh, a couple years earlier, uh, we had, I'm sorry, four years earlier, we adapted Gilgamesh, the original epic, in our Amazing Tales annual. But, you know, we figured there's probably some more crazy, nutty tales of Gilgamesh. We just make up shit. Because, you know, the Mesopotamians thought very differently than we do today. So this would be our, like, our Rocky comic where we just do whatever. Almost like it'll be surreal adventures. So I figure for at least a year, we're going to get Richard Corbin to come back and delineate Gilgamesh for us. Because he can just go nuts. He doesn't have to follow the original epic. He can just uh, make crazy stories. So that's going to be fun as hell. Um... Everything else stays the same except for Alan Quarterman is finally leaving. We've adapted all the books, told you some tales in between, and that will be replaced by A Thousand and One Nights by Mike Kaluta. Because Mike Kaluta is now done with his monthly grind of doing Ms. 45. And so, you know, 12 pages a month I think Mike Kaluta could handle. Wasn't much of a, you know, Monthly comic artists could didn't seem to be have the stick stay power, but you know twelve pages a month he could handle it for a while. I think of course there could always be fill-ins when he doesn't feel like doing one. There's lots of great artists out there who could do a great one thousand and one night tale. Okay, so then a year later, more switches. So uh, in nineteen seventy five summertime, the Amazing Tales Annual was Frankenstein by Bernie Wrightson. Writes it, adapting the book. So, our main lead head-off feature now in Amazing Tales, starting in January 1976, is going to be Frankenstein by Bernie Wrightson, continuing his adventures, seeing what happened to him after the book. And he'll be meeting all these random people from the 1800s, maybe even characters from the Amazing Universe. He'll be meeting Gunhawk and uh, the Strangers, perhaps. Who knows? But he'll just be wandering around like the Incredible Hulk, getting into all kinds of mishaps. Um, the second feature, Gilgamesh, uh, that's going to have a switch. I figured it would be unrealistic for Richard Corbin to stick around that long. Around this time, you know, he's becoming internationally known, being published in French magazines. So I'm going to get Mike Plug, and because uh, Mike Plug's been away f- just drawing fill-ins for us for a long time. So... I figure Gilgamesh is just going to be kind of nutty, crazy adventures, and Plue can do anything. He, you know, specialized in doing horror, but his horror always had, like, a humorous edge to it. So he's good at drawing monsters of all stripes, and that should be really fun. I think that would be a great comic with Mike Plue drawing it. Okay, um... So, yeah, everything else is the same, though, after that. 
1001 Nights by Kaluta, Dracula by Ralph Reese, and The Bible by Redondo. Okay, 1978. Some more changes happen. Um, Mike Plug is going to jump over to Frank, the Frankenstein feature. Because it's also unrealistic to imagine Bernie Wrights that would stay around for, you know, three or four years on a title. Um, he's going to take over Frankenstein. Perfect. He he drew, I think he drew Frankenstein at Marvel in the 70s. He drew almost every monster comic Marvel had at one point. So that's a perfect fit. Gilgamesh will be taken over by Jose Ortiz, the great Spanish artist, who in a few years will be starting to draw monthly titles for the Amazing Universe. <laughs> but I figured, why not get him now? Um, great artist. Uh, been around forever. Uh, if you want, he's been in heavy metal, all the Warren comics throughout the 70s, if you ever want to see his stuff. We've talked about him before, so I'm not going to get into it too much. Um, also, 1001 Nights, you know, Mike Kaluta can't stick around forever. That guy was kind of lazy, or he just liked to take his time too much to do the grind. So... This is kind of a weird one, but, you know, we pay better in Amazing Comics, so artists who never worked in mainstream comics might have worked for us. And we're going to get William Stout, the great underground comic artist. One of the best uh, comic artists of all time as far as just perfect style. Just a wonderful, clean, likable style. And a really great artist. And... Uh, he, I think he would be good at drawing 1001 Nights because he could draw anything. Another, yeah, sorry. Another new feature in 1978, Native American Myths by another underground comic artist, Jack Jackson. Jack Jackson was um, one of the first wave of underground artists, but he was more about uh, reviving the EC comics as opposed to total free expression um, like R. Crumb. Bill Griffith, those guys. He was more kind of totally happy just like doing gory horror comics, even doing some barbarian shit. As long as it was gory and had lots of nudity and sex, he still wanted to, uh, you know, not censor himself. He liked the, uh, the freedom of the undergrounds. But he also had, you know, at first just wanted to tell those kind of genre stories. But then later on, he had bigger fish to fry and really got into Native American history. And just started doing these underground comics that were just straight American history. No fooling around, you know. Um, beautifully drawn. Well, uh, incredibly well researched. He became known for that. Did uh, lots and lots of comics about Native American lore. And um, so I figure uh, him doing a Native American myths. Because I also want to lead in to 1979, our Native American hero, Eagle begins in January. So nice to have a little bedrock of like where he's coming from because Eagle will have this mystical side to him where he, you know, has some relation to his uh, religion, his uh, people's religion. So this is going to give us a year to like lay the bedrock of, you know, the origin myth of uh, Native American uh, mythology and all that stuff. And that's the only other change. Because the Bible will continue by Redondo. But in 1980, two years later, it's gone. And it will be taken over by the Hindu gods. And the Hindu gods, I'm excited about this. Because this is going to be fun as hell. I mean, 
There's millions, thousands of Hindu gods. They all have their own little stories. It's like the Marvel Universe times a hundred. So, I mean, it's going to go on for a long time. There's a lot of tales of the Hindu gods. And I figure this one will just be various. Because all the gods, all the stories will have different aspects. Some will be humorous. Some will be maybe horrifying, scary. So who's ever around, great artists, they'll just draw whichever one, you know, that suits their style. So, um, but let's get uh, jump to the top of the issue. Uh, the main feature for Amazing Tales, starting in January 1980, we're bringing back Hercules. And we're going to tell all these tales of Hercules just wandering through time since the era of Greece. Uh, 1940 to 1950, Hercules was the main feature in Amazing Tales, telling all the, you know, his typical Greek myths. But you know, the Greek, that shit ended. The Greek gods are no longer worshipped by really anyone anymore since then. So they've gotten weaker. Hercules is still stronger than your average guy. And he's a turned, uh, he's a mortal. But he's not a, really that godlike anymore. And neither are the other gods. So we might be meeting the other gods too. Wandering around the world throughout history. We'll be telling tales in various times, you know, throughout history. And, um, excuse me. <clears throat> and we're going to be getting Esteban Moroto to draw that one. Because, like I said, that guy can draw anything beautifully. So we'll be getting all kinds of adventures. Moroto can draw them good. Frankenstein, uh, Mike Plug is going to be leaving us. Around this time, Mike Plug was becoming uh, one of the hottest storyboard artists in Hollywood, getting paid a lot more than we could probably afford to give him. So it's a little silly to imagine and keep drawing comics for us day in, day out. Of course, he'll still be doing whatever he can, doing covers, doing fill-ins, doing little things here and there. So we're going to have uh, Frankenstein being taken over by young Steve Bissett, who's popping up around this time, uh, just getting out of the Kubert school. He was popping up in heavy metal and epic illustrated and underground, semi-underground comics. Just a master of horror. Any horror title would be a blessed to have Steve Bissett draw it. So this is great that he's going to be doing that. And... Um, after that, Gilgamesh continues by uh, Ortiz and Native American Miss by Jackson. So that's pretty much all I've hammered out uh, up till 1980. So I, I did a lot of work on that. Last time I pretty much ended around 1970. But I figured there's a lot of fun stories in this like amazing tales world. Still enough to tell. Um, I'm probably going to continue and come back to this at one point. Maybe uh, the next time I'll fit, or not the next episode, but at some point in the future, I'll flesh out 1980 to 2000, and then I'll be done with the whole thing. But right now, I don't have time for that. And, um, yeah, God, that took 25 minutes just talking about amazing tales. So I guess next week I'll tell you all the other changes. Uh, well, not changes. I'm fleshing out stuff I never really uh, fleshed out before. So um, we'll be talking about um, Amazing Comics Weekly, Fun Weekly, um, Amazing Spotlight, um, and the adult magazine size Zero Monthly. 
So I've been uh, adding lots of data to that uh, file. But I think there was one more thing I might have wanted to mention. Oh, yeah. I screwed up last time. The Amazing Tales annuals from 1990 to 99. I just got to go over because I made some switcheroos. So I had the Virginian in 1997. Can't remember who I had drawn, to be honest. But I'm moving it back to 1991 just so I can get Doug Wiley to draw it, the great Western artist. He died in 1994, was still drawing beautiful Westerns up till 93 at least. So I pushed the Virginian, the known as the first cowboy novel, back to 91. And then I pushed up, I think what was there was a Seawolf. Uh, was it Seawolf? By... Um, Gary Gianni. So, I'll just go through the whole list. 1990, Magic Flute by P. Craig Russell. 1991, Virginian by Doug Wildley. 1992, Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Cart by Hilary Barta. 1993, here's a change. A Midsummer's Night Dream by Michael Coluda. Uh, Shakespeare's Play. That should be really nice with Michael Coluda drawing. He has a very, I don't know, just good at drawing elf, elves and stuff and myth and you know that kind of stuff and after that I think everything's the same oh no sorry Island of Dr. Moreau 1994 by Richard Corbin 1995 House of Seven Gables by Richard Corbin 1996 Terrace Bulba Jack Jackson um, 97 as I just said Seawolf by Gianni Gary Gianni 1998, Around the World in 80 Days by Jeff Darrow. And 1999, Portrait of Dorian Gray by P. Craig Russell. So uh, that's that. That was the one correction I wanted to add. So thanks for listening, guys. Uh, this has been the 38th issue of Fantasy Comic Book Editor League. Um, God bless. And uh, I'll see you, or you'll hear me next time. Bye.